0: We're not just guys that wear helmets and play football. And yeah, we love to do that. But we're also guys that are very, very intelligent, that attack the field very hard. But we also attack the classroom as well.
1: You're listening to Carlo Kemp. If that name sounds familiar to you, it may be because you've seen Carlo on TV playing as a captain for the University of Michigan's football team. Carlo is a proud product of Boulder, Colorado, and graduated with an undergraduate degree in political science with a minor in business from Michigan in December of 2019. The NFL hopeful defensive lineman is currently playing in his fifth year of eligibility in Michigan while pursuing a graduate degree in social work. Carlo is as much a force in the classroom as he is on the field, which is why I wanted to bring him on to the show. On today's episode, we'll talk about a wide range of important topics, from why you should go to office hours and how to best think about failure, to exploring Carlo's experience as an African-American student-athlete at a predominantly white institution. You'll also get some great tips on effective leadership from a two-time Division I football team captain. My name is Sarah Remberg. I'm a senior in the LSA Honors program at the University of Michigan, and this is How to Student, a show where we explore all the things that make college so stressful and help students just like you be successful. You did political science undergrad with a minor in business and now social work. So, those don't necessarily come together in my mind. So I was wondering why you're pursuing a degree in social work of all things.
0: It did seem like kind of a jump, but going into my sophomore year, I started a nonprofit here on campus called Goals for Souls. I've just loved having a passion of, you know, just helping youth members and especially ages between the middle school ages, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and just giving back and, you know, helping other people envision themselves being at The position I am, I work a lot with young student athletes who want to play football in college and go to Michigan. And I want to help them envision that because a lot of times it doesn't seem like it's possible. It doesn't seem like you feel like you can get to this point, but you know, it's very possible and being able to help them in any way that I can in the classroom, on the field to envision themselves in my footsteps is something that, you know, I love to do. Going, picking social work, my biggest goal, you know, taking all these classes and doing all the learning that I am is I want to learn just how to impact and engage communities even more so and being able to hopefully one day grow the organization even bigger into what it can be. Right now, it's just very local and I love what I do, but I would love to impact even more kids.
1: have my own story for how I came to be a Michigan student. I wanted to know why Carlo chose to play football here.
0: One of the big reasons why I came to Michigan was to be a part of the rich history and tradition. Being a part of that on Saturday and, you know, just trying to live up to all the greats that have come before you and trying to model your game after them on and off the field of just being as high character as you can be. Cause that's like so many fellow Wolverines have been before. And it was, you know, being a part of this tradition and the history of Michigan and all the tremendous players, all the things that they've accomplished on the field with titles, big 10 championships, national championships, the following across the world was something that really drew me in. And that's why, you know, I really love being here and going through that tunnel every home game and putting yourself in the shoes of legends that have walked this same exact hall right before they take the field. And you walk out to 110,000 fans that, you know, are there for the game that want to support you and, you know, that's definitely one of the biggest reasons. But, you know, the the main reason why you, you end up loving the school that you go to or the best part about it is just all the friendships you make and all the brothers and the teammates that you have on the team, because these will be your friends for, you know, forever. These are your friends for life, just because going through the pain together, the suffering and ultimately having, you know, the glory of you know, winning or having success and doing that With people that are doing the exact same thing with you is what makes, you know, being at Michigan so special to me.
1: While most students might not have teammates in the traditional sense, as Carlo describes, you likely have people you've grown close to through shared experience. I know that even after a few months of school freshman year, I felt closer to my college friends than people I'd grown up with because we were all living in such close proximity and going through the same things. What will become a common theme in this podcast is drawing attention to all the important parts of college that take place outside of the classroom and fostering meaningful peer relationships is one of them. While it may seem silly to say, the easiest way to create these connections is to start conversations. Don't be afraid to say hello and engage openly. You may be surprised how quickly a few minutes of present conversation can lead to a lasting relationship. In today's era of social distancing, Maintaining these relationships is harder, but also more important. Think of someone you've met in college who you have really valued getting to know. Call them up and let them know. Studies have shown that meaningful social connection can help reduce stress, which in turn lowers your risk for a variety of negative health outcomes. I next wanted to talk to Carlo about his academic experience
0: The biggest educational experience for me is taking place I would say outside of the classroom, which is the courses I take here are great, but it's the one on one that you get with professors. It's going before class and after class and not always necessarily talking about course material, but building beyond that. And here at Michigan, I've had the opportunity and really the privilege to, you know, build some of those relationships to really Go further into topics, go further into some of my passions of learning and dive deeper because with a lot of the professors here at Michigan, a lot of them have published articles, published books. A lot of the work that people study come from some of the professors in your class that teach you every single day for, you know, the last 10, 20 years. So it's getting to know those people and getting to have conversations and build relationships outside of the classroom has definitely been one of the things that I value a lot. Getting able to meet with your professors and have those one-on-one discussions with them, which those are the things that I'll take from and really remember probably for the rest of my life.
1: This is fantastic advice. When working as an academic peer advisor for Michigan's LSA Honors Program, I always told students to go to office hours. I too have found my professors to be incredible people, eager to dive deeper into their area of study or just to chat and get to know you a bit better. As Carlo explains, it goes far beyond simply getting help to understand the course material, though they're great for that too. It can help a massive lecture class feel more personalized and provide opportunities for things like the mentorship and enriched learning Carlo described. Many students are intimidated by the idea of going to office hours, especially now that they're taking place over Zoom, which can make it slightly more awkward. Here are three tips to ensure your next chat with a professor goes off without a hitch. First, plan ahead. Think about a reason for dropping in or making an appointment. Maybe you have a question about course material. Maybe you are curious to learn more about the professor's field. Whatever your reason is, try to write down two to three questions ahead of time, especially if you're nervous so the conversation flows smoothly. Second, open your meetings with something friendly. The simplest version is, how are you doing? Professors are people too, and students shouldn't forget that. Starting the meeting by being personable will also help put you at ease and better foster the types of relationships Carlo described. Third, say thank you often. I usually try to thank the professor for meeting with me at the beginning and end of a meeting. In addition to this being polite, it shows you respect their time. We next dove into his role as a student-athlete. For many people, look at the football players on campus, Um, you guys kind of stick out a a little bit for your size, but you're also usually with the matching backpacks. Mm -hmm. I was hoping you could give some insight into what it's actually like to be a student athlete playing D1 football.
0: It's a very unique opportunity. There's a whole bunch of mixed feelings with it. Personally, for me, being a student athlete is, it's very special because You get to represent your school in the classroom as well as on the field. And being able to have that opportunity to do so comes with, you know, a standard that you got to live by because you got to represent at a higher level because of the sports world and people, you know, look up to people that play sports. And a lot of sports players, athletes across the world are role models. And that's something that you always got to keep in the back of your head. When you're taking the field and playing the game, how it's supposed to be played, doing the things off the field when you're training and trying to be a model for younger athletes. But one of the things you got to do also when you're a student athlete is you got to do the same thing, but in the classroom as well. And you got to set that example and you got to set those reminders of, you know, you might not be able to do some of the things that other people have the opportunity to do. You got to make, you know, the sacrifice, if you want to call it that, to be able to accomplish and bring to fruition all the things that you've been training for, that you've been working for. On the flip side of it, you're going to be looked under sort of a different microscope at the same time because the mistakes that you make are going to be heightened to a further extent because you're more of a known figure than some other people that may be on campus just because on Saturdays you put on a helmet or you wear a basketball jersey or a baseball jersey or a soccer jersey and people can put, you know, a name to a face. Anything that you do outside of what you're supposed to be doing is going to be heightened to an extreme. And so that's something you always got to take in mind and really got to live your life to the best that you can. And, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Things always happen because we are human. But it's increasing that discipline and increasing your awareness to some of the things that you can't do because it's going to be bigger news, a bigger headline, and people are going to want to talk about it. So that's just, you can look at it as a negative or you can look at it as a positive because that's just going to keep you more focused on the things that you really love. For me, my passion and my dream has always been football, football, football. Having a more disciplined approach to a lot of things that I do is not so much a sacrifice because it's something that I love to do. Football is what I love. And if I love doing it, it's not a sacrifice.
1: How do you cope with being under this microscope all the time?
0: Trying to do things that really aren't, I would say, in the general terms expected, you know, from student athletes to do. And I've always tried to live, you know, above, I guess, the stereotypes of what a student athlete's supposed to look like. And I'm also, you know, African-American. So that you also have the heightened stereotypes of what that is. And then adding he's an athlete and he's African-American, but he's at Michigan. And those are all sort of things that, you know, go through your head and you think about that stuff because you can feel and you you hear those things that other people think. And it's always been trying to do things that people probably didn't expect or wouldn't think for me to do. And it's going to class and being within, you know, not sitting in the back. Being up there, asking questions, doing the office hours, doing all your work, and trying to be as perfect as possible, setting that example not just for yourself but trying to bring along as many teammates as possible.
1: You touched on this a little bit earlier, um, and I want to give you an opportunity to speak more on it because I think it's you know extremely important. But what's it like to be you know an African American student at a predominantly white institution?
0: You mix that with also being a student athlete here and there's a lot of things that you know you kind of feel and there's a lot of things that, you know, go into it. And I think one of the biggest things is you know the stereotypes that are out there and you know the things people think and you know the things that people say. So for me, one of those things was just always, you know, never try to live into those stereotypes. And I think one of the biggest things is being more than just an athlete, which I think has definitely become a big rise, you know, since 2016 is that we're more than just athletes. And I think a lot of the time when you're an athlete, college or pro, people just expect you to just play, just play your sport and just, and just do that. And a thing that gets lost in the translation, which, you know, it seems kind of comical that it would, is that the people that play are humans they're not just people that are programmed to play a sport and to do a job and then stop. These are people that have lives, that have families, that have knowledge, that have brains and hearts. And for me, it was always just trying to live above the stereotypes that are out there. You look at someone and you automatically can assume or think anything you want. I try my hardest Not to always wear team issued gear, not to always wear Michigan football from head to toe, you know, step outside and just wear, you know, clothes that, you know, I bought personally. Just to try to always see yourself in in a different light and not always be, you know, you're just an athlete, you're just an athlete. And that's why I've always tried to challenge myself in you know, other areas of starting an organization or meeting professors, making connections, and trying to grow, build, and just to learn.
1: Another common thread throughout many of the podcast episodes will be the many ways students can define success. I wanted to hear Carlo's take.
0: When I first got on the team, it was just trying to not mess up. That was my success. Just go out there, not mess up. Don't make a mistake. Don't forget to play. Don't get thrown on the ground. And if I did that, that, you know, that was my success for that day. But that's not anyone else's success. That wasn't going, you know, me not getting thrown on the ground wasn't going to help other people succeed. And it wasn't going to help the the team probably win. And then as you get older, you know, that all that changes and that changes. And now you get to a point where You know, success is going out there and being able to impact a game that helps your team win.
1: Here, Carlo brings up an interesting point about success. It isn't always about you as an individual. Oftentimes, your ability to succeed can be impacted by others and vice versa. In a classroom setting, do you help or hinder other success? Do you come in prepared? Are you willing to help explain a concept to a neighbor? Think about a way you might be able to better contribute to your classroom environment you'll find that by contributing to the class as a community, you'll likely end up learning better as well. I followed up by asking about Carlo's experience with finding success in school.
0: Here at Michigan, you take classes that are very challenging and really hard. And, you know, going back to a couple semesters ago, I was in a class that I just did not understand. I just could not get a grasp of any of the concepts that were in the class. And that required me to do A lot more work than I'm used to doing. And that was, you know, going online, doing more readings on the, on uh, the textbook, watching videos on how to do it, going to websites and watching other people, you know, attempt this stuff. And for me, you know, being able to, you know, do that extra work just to, you know, get a grade that, you know, was passing and that that's where i found my success in that class.
1: i was wondering if there is anything you've learned through football that you've actually been able to apply well in the classroom.
0: i think one of the biggest things that i've learned is just understanding that there will be failure, but it's learning how do you respond to that? how do you come back from failure and what are you going to do? because when you fail, if you do the same thing that you did previously, if you keep your approach the same, You keep your training the same. If you study the same, you're going to fail again. And that's one of the biggest things I've been able to translate over from football because when I came here to Michigan, I didn't have a lot of success. I failed a lot and a lot, a lot. And it took me a, a long time to get to the point where I'm at now. And that's kind of the beauty within the whole thing of You know, the ups and downs in life and then picking yourself up and how are you going to respond to everything that's been thrown at you and going along with, you know, my freshman year here coming in, um, you know, playing with guys that were 21, 22 years old, you know, you fail a lot and other people that were in my class that came in at the same time, same age as me, they didn't have to fail as much. I mean, we had very talented guys. Some guys played freshman year, but that wasn't my case. And, I had to learn to be okay with that and be okay with what are you going to do now? What are you going to do next? Because you come from high school where, you know, you're the senior. Now you're the, you're the top guy there, probably one of the better players in your school. And then you come to, you know, a university that has guys that are all like you. And now they're older than you too. And they're better and they're stronger and they're faster. You can't train the same that you were in high school. You can't do the things that you were doing in high school and expect to be at the same level as the guys that are here. And when I got here to Michigan and I'm taking these classes early on and I'm like, why do I have to read, you know, 40 pages, 100 pages in a textbook? Why do I already have an essay in the first week of school? I couldn't do the things that, you know, that I was used to doing. Um, You know, in high school, you don't have to do a hundred page textbook readings. You don't have to write an essay a week. I had to learn how I was going to adapt and how I was going to change and how, how I was going to make myself successful again. And it's doing that translation and being at your lowest in football. And for me, if I was, you know, freshman year, I was down in football. I, you know, I wasn't really good. What I kept telling myself is, okay, if I'm losing in football, I'm not going to be losing in in the classroom. Like I wasn't going to take a double loss here. I had to be good in something. So I really, you know, spent a lot of time trying to be the best student that I could.
1: I think what Carlo describes about struggling in the transition from high school to college is a universal experience. So you shouldn't feel alone if you do encounter instances of self-doubt about your ability to be successful in college. When I first came to college, it was only a few months after I first tested on an adult reading level after a brain injury I had sustained a few years prior. You better believe I felt out of my depth in a college classroom, but I put my head down and worked hard, adapting to the roadblocks that arose, sought help when needed, and I ultimately found success. As Carlos stated, failure is inevitable. The key is to recognize where you've fallen short and learn from that failure. Don't dwell on it or make the same mistakes repeatedly. Think for a minute about a time when you failed. Maybe it was a bad exam grade. Maybe you let down a friend. Maybe you didn't get the job. Why do you think it was a failure? Did you learn anything from it? Did you wind up somewhere better as a result? What would you change, if if anything, in retrospect? The next time you fail, take a moment to think about it. Ask yourself what you've learned. Failure is a valuable tool, not something to fear. Because Carlo is one of the captains for the football team, I wanted to next talk to him about his take on leadership.
0: I think one of the biggest things that I believe in is, you know, even though I might be a captain, I, I, you know, I'm a leader on the football team. I think one of the biggest things to always remember is you're not always going to have every answer and you're not always going to have the right approach or know how to do something but you're going to have people on the team that know how to. My leadership style is I love to motivate, I love to influence, and I love to I just make people believe. I'm not really huge on, you know, screaming and yelling unless that's needed.
1: Do you have any tips for the average student on developing leadership skills?
0: I guess the biggest tip I would say is just knowing when to follow and learning from great leaders before you and watching how they did it. One of the biggest things about being a leader is You got to do it. If you're going to talk about going to class, don't turn your assignments in late. Don't miss your Zoom calls. Don't show up late. Wear the right stuff to the workout. You know, practice hard, play hard, be for your teammates. You got to do it. You got to back up everything that you say because there's going to be an extra added microscope that's on you. And people aren't going to follow a guy that is telling people to go to class, but you're never in class. He's telling people you got to get good grades. You got to stay eligible. You got to be about everything that you say.
1: Before we start to wrap up, I wanted to give Carlo an opportunity to share more about his nonprofit, Goals for Souls, since they are doing such important work.
0: We've partnered with a program here in Michigan called YIP. What we've done is they'll come to camp here at Michigan and they'll do class like. In the day, early in the morning, and we'll do reading and writing and math early in the day, and then later in the day, once we get to right after noon or one o'clock, we'll play football or we'll play basketball, and it's all dependent upon how well class goes, how well we're moving. That's how we set the priority and prioritize. You know the the value of school. We take care of our work in the classroom. We'll get you know two hours, two and a half hours on the field to play football. We don't. And we're not taking care of our work. We might, you know, get 30 minutes. We might not do anything on the field that day. And it's setting that standard of, of how important it is to take care of your school work before you play. Prioritizing that work. We've also done back to school donations with backpacks filled with school supplies for the kids.
1: Wrapping it up, um, this is a question I asked all of uh, my podcast guests. And that is what would you tell your freshman year self?
0: Cause this, this is something I think about a lot. And this is something that I love to tell, you know, some of the younger freshmen, you know, when they come in and they get on the football team and one of the biggest things, you know, that I would tell myself and something I definitely did tell myself something that I still tell myself and something that I tell the younger football players is Don't ever stop believing in yourself and don't ever lose that confidence. I'm telling myself, you're here for a reason. You're here because you can play. You're here because you will play. And, you know, you deserve to be here and you will make an impact. Because freshman year, is just, you know, it's such a challenging time and a lot of things happen so fast. And, you know, for me, it was you went from being the best to the worst. And you don't feel that people believe in you. And when you don't feel that, you, you lose that confidence and that affects, you know, when you practice, you don't practice good, you're not going to train good, you're not going to play good. And you don't even believe in yourself at that point because you don't feel that other people do. And, you know, that, that starts to, you know, take over other aspects of your life. Cause at that point, you know, your whole life, your whole world is football. If I don't have that confidence in that football, it, it really affects everything else that I was doing. One thing that I would tell myself is, you know, don't ever stop believing. It'll come, it'll take time, but don't lose confidence in yourself. Even if no one else in in the world on the team believes in you. Always believe in you. Thanks for listening to episode three of How to Student. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to share and subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram for more college tips, episode announcements, and behind-the-scenes content using the handle at HowToStudentPodcast. You'll also be able to interact directly with the host. This episode was created and produced by Sarah Renberg with sound engineering by Eli Sider. Special thanks to Michelle Gelling, our social media coordinator, and Mika Levek manti the project advisor. This has been a presentation of Packard Street Productions.